Hello and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, a podcast that seeks the answer to the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective? This is in our own lives and the world. My name is Daryl and I'm here with my wife, Karen. Yet again. Yet again. And we are part of the Christian Podcast community and you can find all the podcasts on the Christian Podcast community at christianpodcastcommunity.org. And we have a special guest today who is also part of the Christian Podcast community. His podcast is the Everyday Ministry Podcast, and it's the one and only James White. Woo. James D. White, yeah. actually. So when you say the one and only, I don't think that's <laughs> yeah. a fair statement. No, He's no. only a professional um, football player, yes, basketball <laughs> player, and uh, apologist. So True. It's true. And, and I noticed. Are you the tallest? Yeah, are you the tallest? You might be. I mean, I don't wear sweaters like the other James White. So, regardless, I'm good with being me. <laughs> I think he would call it a Coogee. I think that's what he calls it. Well, whatever he wants to call them. They remind me of Bill Cosby. So, <laughs> the Bill Cosby sweater. It's funny, though. I noticed uh, recently, maybe within the past couple months, your your Facebook used to be just James White, and then you changed it to James D. White. Is that because the other James White with the coochies is James R. White? Is that you wanted? No, it's because for the last two and a half years, being a part of several Reformed groups and Calvinistic groups, as well as just Baptist groups, um, I've had a lot of mistakens, and then a lot of people have referenced me uh, more or less just to make fun of the situation, I guess, or make fun of it. Uh, and so I changed it uh, just for the simple fact of it. So much so that one of the our co-hosts on the podcast that I do, his name is Jamie Owens. He's a good friend of mine. He lives here in town. He uh, actually has created a meme for me that I'll have to send to you later. That, nice. Um, it says, not that James White. And, <laughs> and so it's pretty good stuff. And I got to the point where I used it. That's cool. Have you, have you ever been to a G3 conference? I haven't. Um just I mean, I'd love to go uh, I mean I've looked at it a few years um, and there's been one up in Louisville Kentucky that I'd love to go to as well uh, just different conferences but I've just never made it work um, especially this last year with our daughter on the way and yeah. oh, yeah. um, working on work schedule pretty much I take off to do school stuff or church stuff so it's difficult sometimes right yeah, we went last year for the first time and it was it was awesome just it was cool to be with that many like like other Christians that kind of ha- have the same train of thought, you know, same theology, just to be around that atmosphere and to, you know, just to meet some down to earth people that, you know, I've only like listened to or saw on YouTube and, you know, everybody was real, real cool. So I, if you ever get a chance to go, definitely check it out. It's only like three and a half hours from where I live. So oh. it's not, cause it's always in Atlanta, right? Yeah. It's always, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. So like I'll be in Atlanta in, end of september for a baseball game not G- oh, cool. so. uh-huh. that's right you're the, you're an atlanta braves fan that's right and i was hoping to meet up with james but um he put on facebook the other day something about moving so i don't know what's going on yeah i don't know <laughs> well i do but i can't talk about it so okay okay <laughs> i guess i could talk about it but he didn't you know what i'm saying it's yeah yeah it's my business so yeah that's right that's right Cool. Yeah. Well, when we went last year, you know, it's only 18 hour drive for us. So 
it was, it was real smooth. Well, it wasn't supposed to be 18 hours. Yes, 16. Your babies? Yeah, yeah. Both? Yep. That sounds miserable. <laughs> Actually, no, it wasn't that bad. This was the most baby-friendly conference I've ever been to. No, I'm talking about the 18-hour drive with two. Nothing oh. <laughs> <That> else. <laughs> No, it, it actually wasn't that bad. He slept most of the time, and our yeah. daughter uh, basically like would play games or. She was like yeah. two and a half months old. We, yeah, we got lots of road snacks. Well, look, sometimes <laughs> it's like the end of the world to take my daughter twenty minutes up the road. So that's why I just think it would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he only cried a few times. Yeah. yeah, he he likes the car. That's usually where he sleeps in the car. You take him out of the car, then he's then he's wide awake. But anyway, we're not here to talk about long car rides and kids. and with kids and trips. We're here to talk about worship. So I thought we'd, we'd talk a little bit about, uh, you know, since you are a, uh, a pastor of a church, you would know a little bit more about this possibly than us. You know, we're not ministers, although we do lead worship at our church. But, uh, you know, it's something that's always on our hearts. We're trying to figure out, you know, what is the best way to honor God in our worship? And there's different philosophies behind it, different, you know, interpretations of what people bring to it. You know, the normative principle, the regulative principle. Uh, so we're just trying to discern how can we honor God most in our worship? And sorry, something just smashed back there. But uh, a lot of times you know, people in general think of worship just as the music aspect. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Is, is it just the music or is it the whole service that encompasses worship? Um, so I guess my, my first question to you would be, what do you, how do you format your worship service at your church? Okay. So as of right now, you know, we've talked a little off air, just kind of prepare, prepare for this. Um, right now, it's not exactly how I would love for it to look just because of the nature of uh, not having someone that leads worship um, with instruments and things of that nature. My wife is currently the one that leads this, the worship aspect of the song, the, really the song aspect. Let's call it that. She's the one that leads the song aspect of the worship uh, with company tracks. And so that's kind of what we have to do now just by the means of what we have. I know some churches, you talk about regulative principle. Um, some churches would say that you could just do it acapella and that would be fine. And that's, yeah. It would be fine. But in our context, we would have no one singing, so it wouldn't <laughs> be worship. Um, and so for us, we really, uh, we really approach this idea of formatting in just a very, very simple way. And I'm going, I'm going to kind of lay out what I mean by that, um, by explaining the technical terms. And then I'll kind of, briefly what explaining what i mean in layman layman terms as soon as my excel file pulls up uh, <laughs> no problem all right so the way we kind of order our service is um well I'll, I'll explain it two ways i'll explain how we did it when we had a uh, worship pastor and then how we do it now the way we do it now is essentially just four uh, aspects of it uh, before the preaching and then the preaching and then the ending. Um, the way it looks is adoration, confession, assurance, thanksgiving, then the preaching and then a time of reflection. The adoration is simply a declaration of who God is. Confession is declaring who we are. Assurance is declaring what Christ has done. 
And then Thanksgiving is all response to Christ's completed work of salvation. And then we have the preaching of God's word and then a time of reflection. Um, I know many congregations, many backgrounds may say altar call, whatever the case, where they want to use that. And then some churches don't do anything of that nature. I find it fitting to have a, a song at the end just for us to take in the word of God before we depart to, together into the world. And so that's what I use that time for. It's not a, it's not an altar call. It's a time of reflection on what God's word said to us that morning. Um, and really the way we did it slightly different before it, well, I, to add to that, we also have a time of tithes and offerings and that's for, that's a part of our worship service because I do find that is a form of worship. Uh, we'll look at that in, we'll look at that in a moment. Before, um, when we had a worship pastor, what we did was the same aspect, but following the time of giving, we would also have a song that was a spiritual song. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a time of corporate worship of singing together, but it was a song that just encouraged the body. And we can look at why that, why we implemented that when we look at uh, some scriptural, scriptural evidences for it, specifically when we look at the idea of uh, Colossians 3.16, where it says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and really just kind of the convictions I had of the three ways those things and the importance of spiritual songs. Uh, and then also he had a great actual talent in that, and he had many songs that he wanted to play that were biblically sound, good songs, that were encouragement to the body, but they weren't necessarily uh, formatted in such a way that they were beneficial for worship. And so what I mean by that, they were more man-centered, um, but in the aspect of where it did focus is on Christ, but the song itself was more reflected of man rather than Christ. And so we would use those songs in that time period. Now that's different than most churches. Uh, and I understand that we don't do that now just because we don't have him leading that. Um, but that's kind of our simple format and um to kind of explain that simple i know when we use the term adoration confession assurance, thanksgiving for many out there that may say why why do you do that um it's really simply the fact and i know that you're going to surprise me later with sharing the gospel i think um it's really the simple fact of spelling out the gospel in all worship uh, because adoration is the aspect of who god is um, confession is aspect of who we are in connection to who god is which is sinful fallen men that are lost and dying and going to hell unless what happens? Unless Christ intervenes. And that's where this idea of assurance comes in. And then this Thanksgivings is our time of, of response of being thankful for what God has done in Christ Jesus to provide us salvation. And so I could, instead of using those four terms, I could simply say, God, man, Christ response. And that's how we lay out our service. Amen. That's, that's, I like that. I like that a lot. Like, so it's more of a, a formal liturgy where a lot of churches nowadays, they have a liturgy, even though they wouldn't call it that, but they go with a little less formal. Maybe they'll play a couple songs and then, you know, maybe pray and then sermon and then offering. And then, but, but I, I like it. What you're doing is very intentional and it all points to the gospel. It's all reflections of that. And and to be fair, for many in the congregation, they may not know that this is our intention as we do it. Right. But it is a constant reminder of the gospel in its service. Now, I didn't mention this earlier. I do want to clarify. 
when I say that we do have these four aspects before the preaching, those four aspects aren't necessarily songs either. They're right. either songs or scriptural reading or specific prayers, uh, but generally songs or scriptural readings. Excellent. Do you uh, have a scriptural reading each service? Like, do you read something from the Old Testament, something from the New Testament? Um, no, I don't do both during a service. I just generally do one scripture, especially now, uh, mm -hmm. just for the sake of how our structure is. I generally start the service off with uh, reading a scripture. And so sometimes it may be a little out of order. Sometimes my adoration may be first. Sometimes the um, the the Thanksgiving may be first. It just depends on the scriptural and the songs that we're singing that week. And that's why I say it doesn't fit as well with how without having an official worship leader um and so that's why it looks slightly different for us now cool and when when you're choosing songs or when you had did you have the worship leader choose the songs or is that something that you pastorally do or that did you guide the worship leader and if you had a worship leader come in again would 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 you help guide them to choose or would you kind of lead that process so for me um i think it's more or less being a part of choosing the specific songs that we sing in the church uh where if you're calling someone to be a pastor in the church you trust them enough to kind of lay out the service itself but being a part of the songs that we actually sing um now i preach uh eschatically through scripture and so he knew weeks in advance what we were going to be preaching through. So he and I, and this is, would be my goal if we had somebody else come in, is that we would essentially uh, plan ahead. Uh, now, I know some people think that that's taking away the work of the Spirit, but the Spirit of God can work a month in advance just like he can the day of. And we're never closed off to what God may change in the moment. I mean, that's a reality that happens. And um, so we would actually plan ahead of time. We would actually have a month songs picked out uh, just in the nature of we, us both being bivocational. He lived 45 minutes away from the church. And so the nature of that. Um, and so we would plan out a month at a time. Uh, we would walk through songs together, categorize them in what area they fall into. If it be adoration or confession or assurance or, or Thanksgiving. Um, and then we would actually talk about the lyrics of the song. And um, if I wasn't comfortable with them or he wasn't comfortable with them for whatever reason, um, because there are some good songs out there uh, and then there's some bad songs out there. And then there's some songs that kind of fall in the in-between that they're relatively good, but there's that one line or that one verse or that one curse course uh, that is just off-putting. Um, and so we, we would walk through that together. And initially as he and I, he first come on in the church, it looked like us partnering with that. And walking through that now at the towards the end of his tenure at the church it really looked like simply he would pick out the songs for the month we would video call we would chat online um, about it we would plan out the service and it would take 20 minutes tops to plan out a whole month's work um, but now there was a lot of work that went on the front end to be able to do that mm -hmm. Would the, the songs be, you know, a mix of contemporary songs with, with old hymns and maybe some psalms? Yeah, so um, if it was up to our congregation as a whole, we would probably do nothing but hymns. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I address this generally, and I'm not speaking just to my congregation, but most congregations, specifically in the South, 
um, specifically in Southern Baptist churches, when they see hymns, what they really mean is they mean that 15 to 20 hymns that they sung regularly when they were growing up. Um, right. I remember I was talking about um, the song Hold Me Fast, which Martin Luther wrote. Um, Any hold, hold Me Fast? Or... Yeah. I don't know if he wrote Not he'll hold me fast, but um, oh. we were talking about, hold on, I got it. Um, okay. We were talking about um, a mighty fortress. Yeah. All right. So we were talking about a mighty fortress, and I was using it as an example of saying, you know, when we talk about old hymns, what we're really meaning is these hymns that we're comfortable with, because you know, I asked them if anybody ever heard this song or anything of that nature, and they're like, no. I'm like, well, this is older than any other hymn that you would want us to sing. So right. when you say old hymn, you don't mean necessarily old. You mean the ones you knew. Uh huh. And so, yes, but to answer your question, we would do both. Uh, we'd still do both. We do hymns or contemporary, and we wouldn't focus more or less on doing, you know, two of each or one of each and whatever the case may be in that. We were more focused if that if it fit into one of those four categories. <laughs> into those categories. Now, we were trying to be mindful of our congregation and their needs, and so we did try to make it work to where we had an equal amount of both. That way it fit the need of everybody um, but what I find in that is that he played the guitar um, and so regardless it didn't matter if he was two years old it all sounded contemporary because he was playing it in such a way that wasn't the pipe organ in the background uh, and the, the D notes as you were singing in a certain song and so the approach to it the stylistic nature of it was contemporary as but the content of the songs it just depended on what the songs were themselves because there's some fantastic old hymns there's some fantastic new songs right but there's some terrible old hymns and some yep. terrible new songs so uh -huh. it's more or less about the content of the song than anything definitely definitely now is the guitar different than the guitar because so did uh, i say guitar <laughs> is that the southern coming out in me right now? yeah <laughs> it's like up here we have the guitar or i can't now i can't even say it <laughs> but it sounds better the way you say it so no no it doesn't <laughs> cool uh are, are there any like like when you're you're choosing songs like that are there any like groups that you would stay away from specifically or is anything open? Is it just, do you just take the song as it is apart from maybe the theology taught from the ministry? So or, most people would argue, you know, certain songs, Bethel, Hillsong, some of these others that um, you kind of stay away from them altogether. I understand that. And I'm not saying that's not the best approach, but in my context, it doesn't matter as much because I'm, most of my people aren't, they hear a specific song they're not going to listen to that whole band now generally speaking though most of their songs aren't that great right and so uh i naturally stayed away from them because their content's not great mm -hmm. um but i think this may be going a different direction than you're planning but so often we we say things like that we're like let's not do a certain song let's not do any song by this specific band because of their belief or their doctrine or whatever the case may be but we still sing songs like Amazing Grace that was written by a slave ship owner that was transporting people to go into slavery. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
though I have no issue with saying that, I would also argue that if we're going to have that mentality, we have to have it even when we're looking at the old songs we sing. Okay. Uh, and so, but maybe not. I don't know, man. I, right, I don't yeah. know. No, I we, hear stayed, you. we stayed away from those songs, but right, yeah. it wasn't necessarily because of the band themselves. Right, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, an argument that many people are having recently and probably throughout time. Uh, yeah, I, the, the way I look at that, though, is is like these ministries that are putting out this music now, they're still te- teaching that false mm-hmm. gospel to where like, yeah, uh, Amazing Grace and, and all those guys aren't still out there teaching that. So I think we yeah. can explain that and people aren't going to sing Amazing Grace and then go buy a slave, you know, yeah. where, exactly. where in certain contexts, though, people will be like listening to Bethel and they might start going on YouTube listening to Bill Johnson. Yeah. So that's where I see a slight difference. Well, and I agree, but <laughs> I think the issue to me falls into there's not many songs that I've seen by them that I would want to sing anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think the bigger question comes into more bands like, um, you know, Mercy Me or some of these other guys that are pretty solid believers mm-hmm. um, that you might just differ with in some ways. Um, right. Yeah. Because like, you know, like whole reckless love debate of should we sing it? Should we not? Uh, is God's love really reckless, quote unquote? Um, I would never sing that song in church anyway because right. it's really not that great of a song. I mean, right. <laughs> um, and overly repetitive. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> no, great answers. Great answers. Uh, cool. So, what would um, like the, the sacraments or the ordinances? How often? Do you take communion and, and do you see like we should take it more or we should take it less or is it just do you think it's you know just up to the, the pastor or? okay so um i actually just talked about this so the episode we just recorded for our podcast that will release monday when will y'all's release sunday tomorrow. this one will release tomorrow okay so you're releasing tomorrow yeah uh, you must so- not edit much at all then do you <laughs> He's gonna keep it wrong. Karen does all the editing, uh, so yeah. <laughs> all right, so she may stay up late tonight, like I am. Right. I watch the child. Right. So um, we just got through talking about this. So our episode is gonna release this Monday uh, from the following of when this one will release, and we're walking through the Baptist Faith and Message, which is a a document written in 2000 that really is what you have to believe to be a part of the Baptist uh, Southern Baptist churches. It's not a robust document. It's not a very deep document. It's a big umbrella document. Uh, you can almost have any background outside of maybe extremely charismatic or woman pastors and things like that, and then fall into this document. Uh, and we're looking at the church. And as we looked at the church, we talked about the sacraments and um, actually joked about calling it the Eucharist. Because <laughs> um, and so when we look at this idea of the Lord's Supper, personally, I, I would be perfectly fine with doing it weekly. Um, the biggest argument against doing it weekly is it's losing its, um, what it means and what it stands for and the specialness of it. Um, but I don't think that argument's good because we still sing songs weekly. We still preach weekly. We still read scripture weekly. We still do all of these other things weekly. 
the only sacrament I think that is still a part of worship that is more sporadic is that of baptism. Right. You know, some churches they may baptize weekly and God thank God for that, right? Uh, <clears throat> if it's you know true conversions and things of that nature. Uh, but when it comes to sacrament of Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, personally, I fall into the weekly category. Now, my church would fall more into the uh, once a quarter uh, okay. uh, approach. And so that's essentially four times a month. And for a while, we practiced it monthly, uh, which would I would fall uh, in a church that it would be an issue for them that lose their meaning and things of that nature. I would fall under the approach of maybe doing it monthly. Um, and <laughs> Because you do have to be aware of your people and where they are spiritually and how they're going to handle a certain you know, situation and belief uh, mm-hmm. and how it's going to personally reflect to them and their convictions and all of that. But I say that's so circumstantial. Uh, it depends on the congregation, depends on the pastor, the people. Uh, but personally, I would say weekly, um, and if not weekly, at least monthly. Awesome. I wonder uh, where that, that came from, where people were like, oh, you know, we can't take it every day or every Sunday because it'll lose its meaning. Like, is, so do you have any idea where? I don't know where it came from, and I've been a part of other congregations and no other congregations that literally only do it on special occasions. And what I mean by that is Christmas and Easter, uh, <laughs> and then whenever the pastor may find it fitting. Um, I, I can't. I, I don't. This is not James D. White's church history, so don't quote <laughs> me on this. Uh, but I think much of it comes back to the nature of um, the expanse of churches and when circuit riders and things of that progressed. And we see where there wasn't a lot of pastors and congregations. This is where I also believe where deacon-led churches came from, um, and which is unbiblical. But anyway, that's not our conversation today. Uh, I think it came from more of that nature. Uh, so if there wasn't a pastor there to lead communion, on a weekly basis, then it would be more of a once a month or twice a month type deal. And it naturally just progressed into that, that or this idea of pressing so hard that you have to evaluate yourself. And if you have any unconfessed sin in your life, which is a reality, uh, you should take it in a reverent way, but also everybody's got some form of unconfessed sin in their life as they approach God's, house and God's time of worship um you know we all have those moments in our lives where we're not living the way we should and don't even recognize it um it's just part of our depravity so I'm not sure where it comes from to be honest but um but that's the that's the word I grew up in man once a once a quarter you take the white tablecloth all folded up neatly and put it to the side and all of those things yeah, we do it uh, monthly at our church. Sometimes twice a month because they'll do it. They'll do it on the extra Sundays when yeah. when there's five Sundays in a month. So it'll be usually it's the first Sunday of the month, but when there's five, it'll be on the fifth one as well. Okay. And they they do that because usually that's family Sunday. So when when the kids come into the church when they don't have kids' church, the kids will come in, and this way the kids that have professed faith can partake in communion. Uh, yeah. So I actually, when we started, when we do communion, I started implementing it before our last song, because the way our setup is, is that the last song, 
our children leave. Now, when I mean our children, we don't have a single child over the age of six. So they all go to nursery, essentially. Okay. Uh, and so none of them take communion. Um, but I leave them in there so they can be learning about communion and about what it is and what the body represents, what the bread represents and what the blood represents and all of those things. And so I moved it earlier in the service for that purpose. Yeah. Which yeah, generally I, takes a place of an you know, order of service. It generally takes place of our assurance of what Christ has done. And so we would put that in the, that order of service. So that's our form of worshiping and of what Christ has done as we look through that. So. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're going to take a short break right now, but we're going to come back and ask you a few more questions. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another for his name's sake. What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast, where I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010, saved me in 2013, and in 2017, Prescribed Truth began. My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word while refuting dangerous lies affecting most churches and the culture at large from a biblical and reformed perspective. Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the live recording of the podcast on YouTube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found, including the Christian podcast community. If you would like to know more about Prescribed Truth, please visit my website at prescribedtruth.com. And remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings. And we're back with James D. White from the Everyday Ministry Podcast, and we were just discussing worship, and I, I think he gave us a good idea of how he does worship at this church, and uh, just the, the uh, theology behind liturgy, that the liturgy that he does, and we talked a little bit about music. Now I'm going to ask him a fun question, and he doesn't know, doesn't know what it is, but hopefully he can answer this. Maybe, maybe not. You might not be a cultured guy like Andrew is. Well, and you might, and you might have to take out the dead space. But I mean, either way, I mean. Okay, real simple. What is your favorite '80s movie? Now you look young. You're probably younger than us. You look younger than us. I don't even know if you were alive in the '80s. I wasn't. Um, (laughs) We're so old. I was born in '91. Okay. So I'm trying to think of what you would call it, like what, so I'm not good with dates, all right? Okay. So I'm not good with what is an 80s movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, like I I love Field of Dreams, but that's like a 94, 95, I think. So it's not quite 80s. What was that? What was it called? Field of Dreams. Oh, Field of Dreams. I thought it was (laughs) Field of Dreams. Okay. Um, But I think that's like an early 90s movie. Uh, Top Gun, maybe. I think that would fall in it. Yeah, that's, that's, the 80s. Um, I think that 1986, I think that came out. Yeah, I think so. Um, Tron, would Tron be in the oh, 80s? Tron is definitely 80s, yeah. Okay, um, not the second one, but the first one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, were- which I like the second one, but the first one's way better. Um, I, I guess the Star Wars, most of them would be in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, I like, you know, those three at least. Um, mm-hmm. And then I love Tron, I love uh, Top Gun. Um, 
Now, if my wife was in here, she could name. You're gonna have to ask her this question. And okay. She look. She'll be watching um, black and white movies almost every day. And so, like My Fair Lady and some of those old movies, like before you were before you were even born, right? Um, <laughs> oh man, uh, I get in trouble with my old man jokes, but it, it's all right. And so that's some of my favorite ones. Um, I think there's probably more if I sat down and thought about it, but that would be some of them. Awesome. More, more, more or less trying than the rest of them, but um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I was born in '79, so all through the '80s was my uh, growing up years. So a lot of those movies are my favorites too. I, I probably had Top Gun memorized. We used to pretend we were like Goose and Maverick riding our our BMX bikes around. <laughs> so, um, what do you think about the trailer for the second Top Gun? I haven't seen the trailer yet. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, there's really? they, they it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah. pretty good. Um, you know, I think it's going to be like every other remake they've done in the last two, three years and kind of ruin it. Um, kind of like Ghostbusters, but anyway. Is is Tom Cruise in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he like the instructor or is he actually? <laughs> no, he's still, he's still the, apparently he's still the same uh, ranking he was in the first one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so like, I don't get it, but you know, it is what it is. So would Ghostbusters be the eighties? Would that be nineties? That's it. Ghostbusters that would go into that category, Mm -hmm. Uh, specifically the first one. But yeah, definitely cool. Well, that was the fun question. I had fun. Uh, (laughs) I had fun asking it. So we're gonna wrap up, but before we go, I want you. You know, you can say a little bit about your your podcast or ministry or whatever you're doing, and then share the gospel. All right, so um, begin with the podcast because it's the least important one, and we'll end with the good, good, good news. Um, the podcast itself is called the Everyday Ministry Podcast. As he said earlier, we are also a part of the Christian podcast community. Um, I think we came in after y'all, maybe. Uh, we're fairly new. Uh, yes. to it. Uh, we, we joined about a few months ago. Uh, we have about six or seven episodes um, with them, and and so um, simply about the podcast, though, is we release an episode every Monday. It didn't start that way, but we do now. Our primary episodes are on the first and third Mondays of the month. They are generally uh, 30 minutes to an hour long right now. This will change as soon as we run through these episodes. The first Monday of the month, we're looking at the Baptist Faith and Message. And then the third Monday of the month, we've been looking at Donald Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines book. And uh, we're almost done with it. And so I'm not sure. I think we may just do topical things after that. And then on the other episodes of the month being the second and fourth. And then when there's a fifth Monday, we do what we call Minister's Minute. And it's essentially a 10 to 15 minute long episode where one of our co-hosts answers a question. Now, to be specific about that, we have five co-hosts, including myself. Uh, myself, James White, uh, a pastor at Church Plant, essentially. Uh, we have Jamie Owens. He's a pastor of a rural church in Alabama. We have Daniel Brown. He's a youth pastor at a church in uh, the city uh, near Birmingham. And then we have Chris Norsworthy. He's a, a lay elder at his church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And then we have Royce Alanese, which is a church member and community group. Uh, leader at his church and uh, so we 
really we have five different people that are at five different forms of ministry. And our big emphasis is no matter what your role in the church is, if you're a church member, a pastor, youth pastor, worship leader, a deacon, you're a minister of the gospel. Your responsibility to go there forward and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we approach it as. We approach it as conversations for everyday ministers, for the, the church member, for the pastor, or whatever the case may be. Um, and so that's our layout. And you can find us on every podcast podcast catcher We're on iTunes, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, all of those other random ones that people may not use as much as well as Spotify. Uh, but as he mentioned earlier, you can go to uh, either our website, which is everydayministrypodcast.com or strivingforeternity.org and find us at either one of those places. Awesome. And, and how can I be saved, my friend? How can I be saved? Well, the gospel is essentially understanding who God is and then who we are in connection to him and then the good news of what God did in regardless of that and then how we respond to that. And what I mean by that is that God is a infinitely perfect and holy being that he is righteous. He's holy. Uh, that means he's without sin. And because he's without sin, he's also righteous. And because God is without sin and because God is righteous, then he has to bring forth his wrath and his judgment on those that are not none of those things. And the issue is that every man is born into sin uh, due, due to Adam, but also due to their personal sins. And so what we see is that every individual, myself included, was born into sin. Therefore, we were deserving of God's wrath, not God's grace. And so because we're deserving of that, then what we were doomed to is hell. We're doomed to the wrath of God. But God, which is, take a pause there, this word, but, B-U-T, is one of the most amazing words that we find in the English language. Because what it means is that what was what news came before is wiped away because of the news that comes later. Much like if I said um, the plane went down, but... No one was hurt. Now, a lot of that comes from Greg, uh, Greg Gilbert's book, What is the Gospel? And what we see in this, though, is that because man is sinful, fallen, and is deserving of God's wrath, but God intervened. And how he intervened was through the life, death, and burial of Christ. And in that, Christ lived a perfect, sin-free life. He lived the life that we could not. And then he died the death each and every one of us deserved by taking the wrath of God upon his shoulders, by being nailed to the cross and God pouring it out on him. And because of that, God then reveals himself through uh, to man and revealing himself to man, they could then repent and re repent and believe in him. And that is how one is saved is by simply understanding that they were once they are sinful fallen creatures that have turned against God, rebelled against him, and then cannot save themselves. So therefore, they look to the only one that can, and that is Christ. And when they do so, the righteousness of Christ is bestowed upon them, and now they are righteous and will spend an eternity with the Father. Amen. Amen. So if you're listening to this and you aren't saved, we pray that you repent and you believe that good news that James just shared with you all. And also 
we want you to check out his podcast, the Everyday Ministry Podcast. He told you where you can find it, but continue listening to us, the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. You can find us in the same places where you can find his podcast. And we are also part, like I said, and he said, the Christian podcast community. But also check us out on Facebook and Twitter and all the other social media outlets, Instagram. I think we have an Instagram. I don't know where we take pictures. Actually, she... Yeah, Karen posts pictures of the dog on our what are we even doing here Instagram so people like to see Rachel and yeah and hopefully one day we'll adopt baby and he'll have a bunch of pictures up there so <laughs> well if I could say one thing before I jump off here um, sure. I appreciate y'all having me on I know um, I just recently started listening to your podcast I guess it's been two three four weeks ago um, and I've really enjoyed it um, and I'm not trying to boast for y'all to your listeners. I think they, through listening, they have the same feeling I have is I love the nature of it. I love the nature of hearing the dog move in the background, hearing the baby coo, uh, hearing your daughter do other things. I love the nature of that. Um, and it fits the name so, so well. And as we tie that idea into this principle of worship, I do want to end by just looking at, um, Whenever I approach this with my church, this is one of our core values as a church is what is biblical worship. And the first thing I asked was, um, when you think of worship, what do you think of? And it's this normally, as you said earlier, it's this idea of singing. But in all reality, if we look at catechisms, which is a beautiful and wonderful thing, and there's many out there. you got the New City Catechism, which is a more recent one. You have the Baptist Catechism. You have the Westminster, you have the shorter, the longer, you have a lot of them out there. It's a pretty common thing. But every one of them has this question that I've, everyone that I've seen anyway, has this question and is what is man's chief end? And it's to glory God, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I love your podcast because it takes the everyday things of life and brings him glory in them. And so that's why I enjoy your podcast. I enjoy hearing the baby in the background or the dog jump around because you're seeking to glorify God and bring and enjoying him forever by what everyday life. And I love it, man. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we, we definitely thank you for coming on our show and uh, hopefully we'll get you and your wife on because that's a goal. We, we'd like to interview husband and wives and families and, just to see exactly what you said, what is God doing in, in their lives, especially, you know, people who are in ministry, you know, sharing their successes, their, their uh, not so much successes and just, you know, through, through the good times and the bad, what God is doing. So hopefully we'll, we'll get you both on soon. Well, I could definitely and, speak to the not so successful things. So <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> you want me to just do it? I haven't really been here. <laughs> right. Karen's been in and out, but uh, she's the better part of the show, I always say. So I'll wrap us up. So Is that because she's the better half of the relationship? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I, yeah. Yeah, she's watching the, the cuter part of the family, the baby. So uh, in the meantime, we hope that you continue to seek the kingdom of God. I don't even know how to say that. She always wraps it up. In the meantime, we pray that you continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace.
There we go. Figured it out. That was pretty painful.